0: This is WCNY's The Capitol Press Room, and we're turning our attention to a proposed amendment to New York's constitution that would address what supporters of the measure call quote unquote modern day slavery in our prisons. To discuss the issue, we're joined by the measure's assembly sponsor, Manhattan Democrat Harvey Epstein. Welcome back to the show, Assembly member.
1: Thanks for having me back on.
0: It's our pleasure to hear from you. So what is it about practices in New York's prison system today which you feel needs to be addressed with a constitutional amendment?
1: So right now, if you are anywhere in New York and you decide you don't want to go to work, you don't go to work, you could lose your job, you don't get paid, well, there are other penalties uh, that are legal. And if you're incarcerated, unfortunately, there are other penalties that are continue to be legal. You can lose your merit time. You can lose uh, opportunities for future uh, things. You can be put into solitary confinement. And we've heard from hundreds of incarcerated people about these experiences. And so, what we're trying to say is well, understand that people should work, and I want people to work. But if someone doesn't work, they shouldn't be forced to work. And that's kind of has a long history of slavery and Jim Crow, you know, right after, you know. We just celebrated Juneteenth a couple of weeks ago. I mean, this has got a long vestige within the United States and the prison industrial complex and uh, forcing people to work is just kind of in that line. I think we want to encourage people to work. We want to pay people who do work. But we also don't want to punish people if they don't work. Or we don't want to make that make it a punitive thing.
0: Well, how prevalent is it in the prison system now that there are people who are incarcerated and are being uh, forced to work uh, against their will. You said you've heard from hundreds of people. So does that represent the entire scope of the problem, or do you think it's broader than that?
1: I think it's broader than that. And obviously it's hard to reach incarcerated people. They may not feel secure in telling you something because they're worried about retribution, but we've just heard it time and time again. And this theme across multiple facilities. is just so regular that it's hard to ignore.
0: When we think about slavery in the context of America, we both think about it in terms of the involuntary aspect of the work, but also the idea that people are not actually being paid for their work. So is that the case in the prison system as well, that New Yorkers behind bars are not only being coerced into working, but they're not being paid for it? Or are they being paid and it's just sub-minimum wages?
1: People who are incarcerated and work get paid and the pay rate goes from anywhere from 10 cents an hour to a dollar an hour, dollar an hour. Are people who do well, like a department motor vehicle, they have a higher pay scale. They're picking up the phone, answering your calls. Those are people more likely to be making a dollar an hour. The 10 cents an hour are people who are cleaning bathrooms and prisons and, So uh, I don't know people think 10 cents an hour is is wages, but I don't really agree that that's a real wage, especially since you need to buy all the things that you need. If you need a toothbrush or other things, you got to pay for those items. And the 10 cents an hour is never going to cover everything that you need while you're incarcerated. So it is de facto, we're not getting paid at all because the cost of living is going to well exceed the 10 cents an hour you get. We have studies from Worth Rising and other groups around this state which talks about hundreds of millions of dollars that families have to pay. And these are mostly low income families, families of color, subsidizing their incarcerated loved ones because of the cost associated with just living and the pay doesn't cover it. So could you imagine a different system where someone could get paid like a minimum wage and someone who's incarcerated has enough money to save up money so when they got out, they could have put a first month's rent and security deposit on a new place to live. They can have some stability when they get out instead of just getting a Metro card and be told good luck, here's DSS and go find a homeless shelter.
0: Well, given that the wages currently aren't an incentive, at least for most incarcerated New Yorkers, to work, what is the result that you're envisioning under the current system though? Would people just, I guess, stay in their cells for eight hours a day? Would they be just given free time? And is that an okay outcome?
1: Well, I think what, what what I want to do is make sure everyone works. I want to make sure that people have good, meaningful jobs that they, that they can use once they get out to have great careers and to be able to do things going forward. I also think they should get a reasonable pay. So if they're feeling sick that day, they can actually take a sick day and then they can actually save money. I do think we need to fit all those problems all at the same time, but it starts with a voluntary program instead of a mandatory program.
0: Well, the idea of raising the minimum wage in New York's prison system is far from becoming a, a reality, whereas this amendment that we're talking about is much closer to the finish line. So, from a practical sense, what would you envision happening if your amendment was adopted?
1: I think that what would basically happen if the amendment was adopted, well, first of all, it has to pass two legislative sessions in a row. Mm-hmm. So, we have to base 24 and in 2025. Then it would go before the voters, the voters to decide whether we would amend the Constitution. If we did, we either do that in 2025 or 2026. And then the new Constitutional Amendment would then make sure that work was voluntary. And that would mean that someone could choose to work or not, and then they would get paid or they wouldn't get paid if they weren't working. And then they can maybe have opportunities to do new and interesting work that maybe met their skill set. Maybe they they have a really good and they want to be able to build things so they can help build furniture because they have their good with their hands instead of someone who's being told this is what you have to do and if you don't do it, we're going to put you in solitary confinement.
0: Is there a argument to be made that uh, under the current system, incarcerated New Yorkers are kept occupied so that they won't potentially have other problems, that there couldn't be idleness that could lead to fights or other issues within the prison system?
1: under the change in the law that people would still, most of the majority of people who were working would still continue to work. Um, people who weren't working were doing it because they had a reason not to work. And I don't think you'd have a lot of idleness. At the same time, I think the issue of violence in the prison system won't get worse because of this. I think it, in ways it would get better because people who are forced into doing work that they don't want to do sometimes lash out. Here, it's a much more voluntary program. So you don't have that kind of response from an individual. I think violence would go down opportunities would go up and I think we'd better for incarcerated New Yorkers as well as the entire system
0: how if at all would this amendment, if adopted impact the ability of a judge to impose for lack of a better word hard labor for part of a sentence or allowing a prison official to mandate that an incarcerated New Yorker Maintain a clean cell, or something else that could be construed as work, but might be part of uh, everyday responsibilities or chores within a prison system.
1: Yeah, we're not telling someone they don't have to clean their cell or maintain tidiness. That's part of like living, you know. That's very different than work. Work is like going out and doing things in common areas, like making food in the kitchen or building chairs or making hand sanitizer. That's very different than making sure your facility, your space is totally clean, which would be an obligation for a incarcerated person, even if this constitutional amendment passed.
0: And what about the idea of a judge directing someone as part of their sentence to do work, maybe to do volunteer work, for example? Could that represent coercion that would theoretically be prevented by this type of amendment?
1: The judges wouldn't offer a plea that said work while you're incarcerated. They might say you have to volunteer in lieu of jail time. That's where you see that happening. And the judge could continue to do that because that would be a voluntary plea deal that someone would take. It's my understanding as well, about to talk to the criminal defense, criminal defense lawyers, that judges don't order work as part of a sentencing while they're incarcerated. People can get good time, get merit time, or doing things like work or going to school, but there's no mandate from a judge to do that that I've seen.
0: Why should someone who isn't in prison, has an experienced prison, doesn't have loved ones behind bars, care about this issue?
1: 1865 in our Constitution, we decided that we were going to end slavery as it existed in the United States, and this is something that I think we find a poor um, and that we want people to work. But there's a difference between wanting people to, to work and forcing them to work, and that's has got a long troubled history in the United States, obviously around slavery. Unfortunately, the disproportionately black and brown people are in our carceral system, and so then if those vestiges continue to to pop up, and our goal here is really to create a voluntary system that encourages people to work. And maybe through that change, we might get actual work that people can be inspired to do and do that make their lives better and give them career opportunities going forward. I think people would say, I believe in opportunities for people. And while we need to keep the prison clean and organized, we also want to make sure that people do things that are, that work for them.
0: You mentioned the 13th Amendment, and that has an exception in terms of punishment for a crime. So couldn't it be said that the adopters of that amendment envisioned involuntary servitude as being okay for people behind bars?
1: I 100% agree. That's what they did envision. We're just saying there's a new vision 150 years later.
0: And in terms of the adoption of this measure, it made it through uh, the state Senate by a, a nearly partisan vote, what happened in the assembly where you have enough Democrats to move something like this theoretically?
1: Yeah, as you know, the end of session was difficult. We were able to move it out of three committees judiciary, ways and means, and rules. Bills take time. And sometimes, you know, when we run out of time, especially when the budget was so late, as you know, the end of session was kind of a, a hurry up. We didn't, we just ran out of road, but I'm optimistic. We, you know, we've talked to our colleagues, we have the votes. We just need to get the time and hopefully we can do it in January to be able to pass this.
0: Well, why do you think it, it wasn't prioritized this year? Because you, you talk about time and running out of time with the legislative session, but you know the Assembly came back for two extra days after the scheduled end of the legislative session, so they did make extra time, but just not for this.
1: Well, I think this has to be passed in either this year or next year mm-hmm. to be able to be, go, go before the voters. So There wasn't a if it didn't pass this year, it didn't really affect the timeline. We still would have to pass it in 2025. So passing it in 2024 and 2025 is a similar timeline.
0: Well, we've been speaking with Assemblymember Harvey Epstein. He's a Manhattan Democrat. Assemblymember, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for reaching out. And thank you for writing about this really important issue.
0: And for more Capital Press Room content, visit capitalpressroom.org or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And if you listen to us from an Apple device, make sure to leave us a rating and a review so it helps other people find the show. Support for the
1: Capital Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information.